Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Today, we visit with two guests who give us their perspectives on living honestly and fearlessly as women of God. Kelly Bellari is the author of Fear Fighting, Awakening Courage to Overcome Your Fear, and is a passionate national speaker who has spent nearly 10 years leading groups of women in spiritual growth, marriage building, and general Bible studies across the nation. Kelly talks with us today about some of the difficult and fearful circumstances she's been through that ultimately revealed the beauty of God's plan for her life. My name is Kelly Bellari. I grew up in Maryland, and we were in a suburb of Washington, D.C. I'm the oldest of six kids, so I'm kind of like second mama to everyone, and that's how I grew up. I mean, I was making sure that everybody was taken care of. I was like, we need to get school supplies and kind of running the house. And so I was always like trying to be the glue to hold everything together, and um, it was a lot of stress for me. I think I felt like disaster was always going to happen, or I was always worried that somebody was going to get hurt or that things were very scary. And so I didn't know what to do. I was kind of in panic mode. I knew about God. I had gone to church, but I don't think that I was um, welcoming him in my heart in a way where he was really ruling my life and where I was um, submitting to him. I was more just trying to run through the motions of religion. And so I felt like I had to, in a sense, be a God to the family. and. Um, It really just ran me deep into a hole. Like eventually I got an eating disorder because while I was trying to control, I just felt so out of control. I felt like I was losing everything, even though I was trying to put my hands and my fingerprints over everything. What led to my eating disorder was that feeling again that I needed to be in control. You know, um, I think I took that whole family mindset with me to college. And that mindset was disasters ready to strike at any moment. I'm not really safe. I don't know what my future holds. Anything could happen to me at any moment. People want to hurt me. I can't trust people. And so I just tried to do what I could do. And what I could do in college was to focus on getting the perfect job after school. And so I was paranoid about it. Like I would go and sit at the computer and I would look up companies and research them and figure out exactly who they wanted me to be. And I became an expert at giving everybody else who they wanted me to be. If you wanted me to be fun and outgoing, oh my goodness, I would knock your socks off. But I was like a chameleon. And and eventually I did. I applied to that, a job and I, I gave them exactly what they wanted to hear and they thought I was the best candidate. I worked at that company after college for a year and they were done with me and I was done with them. I hated the job. And this is what happens, you know, when we when we try to be something we're not. I remember one time I was taking a run, which was basically every day, and I was in the woods and I was running and I was running and I just felt something hit me hard and I just stopped and I just started crying and I I was so thin and so frail and even my mind couldn't really think straight and I just cried out to God and just said God I just can't I just can't anymore I don't know what I'm doing I feel so out of control and I got this feeling of God saying to me Kelly you can either continue to run away in fear or you can turn towards me in faith and I think in that moment when I cried out to God with my pure desperation, just authentically who I was, I believe that that's the moment when really Jesus came in and took the reins from for me. I did get into counseling, and that was really where the counselor helped me to um, take a job that was not in Maryland, but moving to California. And, and just 
becoming who I was meant to be, learning what God had for me. And it was very scary to leave. Um, I felt like I was abandoning everybody who needed me. I felt like I was um, didn't know if I'd be able to take care of myself. I didn't know whether God was going to take care of me. But sometimes I think that's the step we have to take to find out that God really is faithful. We don't learn that he's faithful until we step off that cliff sometimes and watch him catch us. And that's what I had to do. And so, yes, I did feel like I lost heart. I initially lost heart in those situations, but God never lost my heart. He came and he picked it back up and he led me to where I needed to go. And that's the good shepherd that we serve. The journey to realizing her authentic self in Christ and overcoming her fears was a powerful one for Kelly, and she wanted to share her experiences with women who might be going through the same issues. Kelly gives practical and spiritual insight into battling fear in her new book, Fear Fighting, Awakening Courage to Overcome Your Fear. She also shares how she finds strength and encouragement from her daily devotionals with Jesus Calling. Basically, what fear fighting is, is it's taking that those tapes, those attachments that have been, that have been put on us, that have been paper clipped to us or, or safety pinned to us, and it, it, it helps us to take those off so that we can live courageously how we're meant to live. I write my book as somebody who has gone through the battle, who's a friend of the reader, who understands the heart and the nitty gritty nature of fighting fear. And... I know that God has done a mighty work in me because my husband then, he came back to me. He, you know, told me, he said, Kelly, even if this book changes no other life, lives, you know, it's dramatically changed yours. And that's really what my heart was after. I knew if God changed my heart, he would be faithful to others too. I remember myself when I was a, a little girl, I would go in my backyard and I would like zig and zag all over the yard. And I'd be like singing like, ah, and like all these songs and just like my whole heart would be belted out and like the birds were coming and they were around me and I was like kind of like part of this like Disney image imagery of me being a princess and like it was just this beautiful thing you know but like I didn't care I didn't care about anything I was in the moment and I was like fully me it was this moment like before anybody had said oh Kelly you look stupid oh Kelly like who are you that you think you can do that or why are you doing that when you should be raking leaves right now or you know what makes you think that you are something special you know and I think what happens is whether it's at home whether it's at school whether it's um, something that we pick up through somebody's actions or their influence or kind of their their motions or their looks towards us we start to get attached to us all these different comments that we let penetrate our heart and the reality is the only word the only truth that should penetrate our heart is God's word, God's truths about us. I think that's why Jesus calling is so powerful is because it comes in and it speaks God's truth into your mind rather than letting your mind be filled by all these other lies that have attacked us for our whole lives. I had read Jesus calling years back and I loved it. Like I love the heart in it. It's just got the, the heart of God is in it when I'm meeting with new people and we're doing a Bible study or I'm telling them about Jesus, I keep Jesus Calling books on hand. I keep them on my shelves and I give it to them as a great way to just, for them to get to know God, to get to know Jesus and they, they can read it and their hearts are filled. 
I really like this passage. Stop trying to work things out before their times have come. Accept the limitations of living one day at a time. When something comes to your attention, ask me whether or not it's part of today's agenda. I think sometimes my mind either wants to run to the future or like be stuck in the past. And I constantly am reminding myself where God is working is the present moment. He's working in the right here, right now. This is the ground that he's changing. This is the place where he's working. And if I run ahead or if I rewind, I miss God. And so these words really remind me to just stay with God. And I think what it is to get past the past is we have to recognize which voice are we listening to right now? Are we listening to the voice of God or are we listening to the voice of the world or the enemy that replays our past in our mind? To overcome your fears, recognize the cycle of fear. The cycle of fear happens like this. There's a stimuli that makes you fear, which in and of itself is not always bad because if you see a bear in the woods, you need to run and scream and that's good to be afraid. But recognize that stimuli and then recognize what happens next. When you fear, what do you do? Do you get down on yourself and say, I'm so bad, I can't believe I'm messing up again. Oh, God tells me not to fear. Because when that happens, normally what happens is you get more afraid. And then the cycle of fear turns into a snowball and it looks like it's gaining steam and it's coming down a hill and it's going to run you over. And you're like, ah, I'm going to die. I'm so afraid my finances are running out of control. I'm going to be homeless in a month. You know, and, 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 and it gets out of control. But if you take literally the cross of Jesus Christ inserted into that snowball, when it starts to roll, it's going to stop. Because grace says, yeah, I'm afraid right now, but God, your grace is enough to cover over my fear. I'm afraid, God, but you forgive me. I'm afraid, God, but you'll show me the way. I'm afraid, God, but you know my better answer. You see, and it doesn't turn into a cycle. It's cut off because Jesus covers our mistakes. And then we don't need to be afraid. He emboldens us as we come to him. And that's the greatest secret to overcoming fear. To find out more about Kelly Bellari's book, Fear Fighting, visit PurposefulFaith.com. We'll be right back with more on living fearlessly and honestly with our next guest, Esther Fleece, after this message about a free audiobook offer from Audible. As a special offer to you, the listeners of the Jesus Calling podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Find your favorite Sarah Young titles, including Jesus Calling and Jesus Always, in an audiobook version and get it for free by trying audible.com. Check out a small sample of the Jesus Calling audiobook featured at the end of this podcast. To download an entire free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash Jesus Calling. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash Jesus Calling for your full free audiobook. Now, on to our interview with Esther Fleece. Our next guest is an international speaker, a writer on millennials and faith, and was recently recognized among Christianity Today's top 50 women shaping the church and culture, and CNN's Five Women in Religion to Watch. Esther Fleece transparently shares the story of her traumatic upbringing and how she adopted the practice of faking fine until she couldn't anymore, and how God brought emotional healing when she learned to stop pretending. My name is Esther Fleece. I grew up in a suburb outside of Detroit, Michigan. Uh, And, you know, my family looked pretty normal from the outside. I had a mom and dad. My father had his own business. And my mother was involved in the PTA. And it was my early childhood years uh, that I noticed my father was um, 
having outbursts in the home and my normal became not so normal, what felt like overnight. And um, he and my mother um, ended up getting a divorce and I lived through the difficulty of that and really seeing my family fall apart. Um, And so actually by the time I was 13, both of my biological parents had left me Um, My brother and I were not in a relationship, and I was really cut off from even the extended family. So very difficult upbringing. I was told my father had a um, sickness, and so people would just say, your father's sick, your dad's sick. And so as a little girl, I thought that that meant he had a cold, and I didn't understand why he just wasn't getting better. So uh, it never made sense what was going on and, and what was happening. Um, I know now, years later, that he had several mental illnesses, and even that hasn't been disclosed to me. I remember my father being take to, taken away by the police when I was nine years old, and uh, he spent time in and out of jail, and so he, he was pretty much out of my life from the age nine on. And then my biological mother ended up getting remarried, and um, her husband ended up having an affair and leaving the family. And I was around 13 at that time. And um, that was another significant loss, even though I didn't have a great relationship with my stepdad. To to see another father figure leave was very difficult. Uh, And then it was just really in the same time that my mother uh, was taking a lot of her anger out on me. And uh, so at the age of 13, I really started moving in with different families in the community and uh, started living with different coaches. My home life was just not safe or steady, and um, I really consider myself to have been orphaned around the age of 13. I really, in the core of my being, thought, if my own parents can't stick around for me, if my own parents don't love me, then certainly God has nothing to do with me. Certainly He, you know, He doesn't speak to me or He doesn't care to sit with me if my own parents don't care to sit with me. So it was very difficult. I, I did um, even begin my high school years with uh, thoughts and even attempts of suicide because I really did feel alone. I was doing my best to hold things together. You know, I um, I still had to go to work. I still had to go to school. You know, I, it was interesting though. I mean, I won uh, awards all the time for excelling in athletics and academics and I was in youth group and I would win the award for bringing the most friends and so I just thought that it was kind of being a strong person to put my pain aside and to not bother people with what was really going on. I also didn't really have a context of how to talk about it believe it or not you know several of my friends from middle school and even high school have reached out to me after reading the book and have apologized and they just said, I wish I would have done more, I wish I would have known, but I didn't know how to invite them into that. I didn't know how to process it. I didn't know what was normal and what wasn't normal. You know, whatever home life we grew up in, that is what teaches us. And so it took many years for me to realize what happened in my home was wrong, it was unsafe, and it was unhealthy, and even having a trusted counselor call it abuse. And that wasn't until my later 20s, you know, did I start processing what really happened. And so, no, I would say for most people, I faked fine and not even to be a fake, but just to hold things together. 
I was um, in my late 20s and working for an organization that I was really passionate about and I was speaking uh, for the organization, traveling for them, and I, I felt like I was in my sweet spot in life. You know, I had a great church community, a great friend group, and I was very involved um, in a number of things. And so when everything was going right, so to speak, uh, my biological father um, showed up at my home and this was you know, nearly 20 years after uh, he had left our family. And uh, I was actually away for the weekend speaking, and so my roommate had answered the door, and um, his mental condition had you know, only deteriorated over 19 years. And I just had a crisis of faith. I, I didn't understand how I could be serving God, loving God, doing my best to be a good person, and my worst nightmare happened. I was very confused of, are my prayers not being answered? You know, does God care about justice here on earth? You know, where has my peace gone? It was like this weird, weird karma theology um, that I unintentionally had. You know, if I worked for God, then he would bless me. <laughs> if I did good things for God, then he would be with me. And um, so it was really a shattering time of my coping mechanisms and even falsehoods that I had built my faith on. You know, it was um, three years that I was going through some pretty intense stalking with my biological father. Uh, the first year, I was very fearful for my physical well-being. Um, I was living in Colorado at the time, and there were a number of shootings that were occurring and I just was very fearful. What if my dad came back like that? You know, what if he wanted to hurt me or hurt others? I didn't know the motives of why he was reentering. And I was just very fearful and I didn't know who to tell because I didn't want to make other people fearful. But the second year I went through stalking, I was very um, emotionally broken. I just thought I'm not going to make it emotionally here. Um, I was just humiliated and full of shame that this was my story, and I didn't understand why there was no resolution. And then the third year, I, I thought spiritually I might not make it, and I was um, in a counseling office, and I was telling this counselor that I could only read the book of Psalms, that no commentary was doing it anymore, that uh, sermons weren't helping me, that the book of Psalms was speaking to me and ministering to me. And he said, Esther, it's because of the laments. And I had no idea what a lament was. I, I certainly knew that Lamentations was a book in the Bible, but not very many people quote it or teach out of it. <laughs> um, but I never knew that a lament was a cry of your heart, was an expression of grief. And, um, and so he said to me, your homework tonight is to lament to God. And I said, no way. Like, I'm not going to complain to God. I'm not going to... He's the only one who hasn't left me. Like, why would I, you know, not be positive and thankful to him? And he said, Esther, you've got to let God know what's going on in your heart. He wants to hear it and he wants you to get it out. And so that was the first time it was, you know, after three years of just agonizing and silence that this counselor had said, not only did God want me to get it out, but that he's given me a model through scripture of how to communicate using lament. And the book of Psalms is a great place to start. You know, I have to honestly say that the book 
Jesus Calling, <laughs> and I'm not just saying this, but it really helped me to hear the voice of God as loving. You know, I would have quiet times with God, uh, but I would almost get stuck reading about stiff-necked people in the Old Testament or hearing of sin being punished. And I just always thought that was me. I think because my biological parents were very abusive towards me with their words, I didn't know how to hear God as a loving father. And so the book Jesus Calling was really significant for me to hear his voice in a new way and to hear the tenderness um, that he has towards me, to hear the patience and the long suffering that he has towards me and the love. I mean, there was just several times I would read it and just think, this does sound like what a good father would sound like, but I just didn't have that example. <laughs> So I am so grateful for the tool that it's been to me in my own walk and then helping me to hear his voice in scripture. People are underestimating how many of us need to hear a loving father, you know? And so we can talk about fatherlessness in the church, but do we realize if we haven't been spoken to from a kind father, it's very, very difficult to learn how to discern his voice. And I think um, prior to reading the book, I had read scripture where it, you know it said, "Do not be anxious, um, rejoice always, and pray continually, and uh, always give thanks." And all of those commands and things are true. So it's not to minimize that, but I had missed the invitations that God extends to us to come. And I think that. Sarah does a great job at that. And just even in, in the month of August, I remember, you know, one of the devotions says, come to me, come to me. And this is my continual invitation to you. And the next one was come to me when you are weak, come to me when you're weary. And it was helping me see that even when I was broken, maybe especially when I was broken, the loving father was inviting me to come. He wasn't telling me to fix myself before I come to him. He wasn't telling me to stop crying. He wasn't even minimizing my anxious thoughts. He was saying, come to me. And I think that that was um, really transformational for me. After Esther was able to reset her view of a father with a new view of God, her loving father, she wanted to write about her experiences so others who might be faking fine could learn to be set free. Esther shares how her book, No More Faking Fine, Ending the Pretending, developed from acknowledging both her difficult past and God's faithfulness to her through it all. The book writing process was actually excruciating because I was needing to feel things that I had tried more than 20 years to forget. <laughs> um, you know, but it was in that process, too, that I was seeing that God didn't abandon me. Uh, even though I felt abandoned, you know, even though I wondered where he was many times, um, I was able to lament and yet give thanks that he did provide wonderful families for me, or he did put me in schools where the teachers were attentive to my cry. You know, they knew that something wasn't right. How could I be sorrowful and rejoicing? You know, I think it's a both and. For so many years, because I'm just positive and social and optimistic, I just always wanted to rejoice. But I think a truer testimony to us as God's people is that we're sorrowful and rejoicing. And sometimes that's at the very same moment. 
And then I was like, okay, th this we're missing something because how can I be 33 years old and never have known that I can truly lament to God and that it's an intimacy builder with Him? And I thought, I have to tell people. You know, I have to tell people that their pain is not a punishment from God. It's actually an invitation to go to God. I think we have to take our eyes off the circumstantial change. I think we can pray for it. I think we can ask God for it. We can um, ask Him to intervene to, um, to change certain circumstances. But if our faith hinges on that, we're going to be let down because God's ways aren't our ways. And He is bigger and He's working things for a much greater good than just ourselves. And so for me, it was learning to be content in my faith, even when my circumstances didn't change. And I truly believe every single one of us has had to deal with a difficult circumstance, or um, we've had to deal with our own sin, or sin that's been done to us. But we have testimonies of how God has met us in our weakness, in our broken brokenness, and we don't have to be ashamed of those. We can actually shout it from the rooftops of, look at this God who saved us. Look at this God who met me in my distress. I do believe there's no greater leader to follow than Jesus himself. He was absolutely authentic, true to his message, true to, true to his calling, and true to the Father's heart in everything he did. To find out more about Esther's book, No More Faking Fine, Ending the Pretending, please visit Esther's website at estherfleece.com. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, our show features guests whose faith in God has enabled them to overcome great adversity. Sherry Taylor, a graduate from The Next Door, a faith-based rehabilitation center, shares about her journey from the darkness of substance abuse to a new life in Christ. We'll also talk with chef Brett Swain, who went from being broken and homeless to giving back through his Nashville-based restaurant that both serves and employs homeless men. Here's a preview of our interview with Brett. When I see someone struggling who feels like they've lost everything, I remember one of the brothers upstairs, Bruce, showed up and he was weeping in his wreckage. And I startled him because I said, this is going to sound crazy to you right now, but you're in a very good place. He thought I was crazy, but when I share about what God has done, it gives him strength to take another breath. Our featured passage from today comes from the August 11th entry of the Jesus Calling audiobook. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. This is my continual invitation to you, proclaimed in holy whispers. When your heart and mind are quiet, you can hear me inviting you to draw near. Coming close to me requires no great effort on your part. It is more like ceasing to resist the magnetic pull of my love. Open yourself to my loving presence so that I may fill you with my fullness. I want you to experience how wide and long and high and deep is my love for you so that you can know my love that surpasses knowledge. This vast ocean of love cannot be measured or explained, but it can be experienced. Hear more great stories about the impact Jesus Calling is having all over the world. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Calling podcast on iTunes. 
We value your reviews and comments so we can reach even more people with the message of Jesus Calling. And if you have your own story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Visit JesusCalling.com to share your story today.